0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, A People's History premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu.
1: A warning, this episode contains discussion of domestic violence and sexual assault. The Color Purple was a Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. Then it was a movie, then a Broadway musical. And now it's a movie adaptation of the musical. The new movie tells the story of
0: Celie, who survives the abuse by men in her life and longs to be reunited with a sister who was taken
1: from her. I'm Aisha Harris. And I'm Linda Holmes. And today we're talking about The Color Purple on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Joining me today is podcast producer and film and culture critic Kate Young. Hey, Kate. Hi Linda. Hi Aisha. Hey. And also with us is the co-host of the podcast, Fanti journalist Trevelle Anderson. Welcome back, Trevelle. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Alice Walker's novel, The Color Purple, came out in 1982. In 1985, it became a feature film directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Whoopi Goldberg, Danny Glover, and Oprah Winfrey. The film was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. Then in 2005, a musical adaptation premiered on Broadway. In the new movie musical adaptation, Fantasia Barino plays Celie. She also played the character on Broadway after excelling as a contestant on American Idol. Coleman Domingo plays Celie's cruel husband, Mr. Corey Hawkins plays Mr. Sun Harpo. And Danielle Brooks plays Harpo's wife, Sophia. Taraji P. Henson plays Suge Avery, Mr.'s girlfriend, who befriends Celie. The film was directed by Blitz Bazawule. And written for the screen by Marcus Gardley. The Color Purple is in theaters on Christmas Day. I'm going to start with you, Trayvall. Now, one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on to talk about this is that I know you are a Fantasia Burino fan Mm -hmm. from way back. Mm
2: -hmm. A stan. You can go that far.
1: (laughs) I'm eager to know what you thought of this film.
2: Yes. Okay. So I have been so excited for this movie to come out. One, because of my love for Fantasia, but also because of my love for The Color Purple and my love for musicals. Mm -hmm. And this is all, you know, wrapped up. I love the movie. I enjoyed it. I think that everyone should go on Christmas Day with your families. It feels like a new Black classic to me. And I want to remind people that this is an adaptation of the Broadway musical, Mm -hmm. It's not a remake of the original movie. And I only say that because if you're expecting something different, you might be upset. Um, But if you go into it knowing that it's an adaptation of the stage version of the show, I think it allows you to even see what beauty that they have created in light of the original movie as well as the stage
1: show. Right. All right, Kate, what did you think? I really loved this. I think it
3: is wonderful interpretation of this story. Honestly, I think this might be the best vehicle to tell this story on its own. The way that it is told gives you an opportunity to not just see what these characters are going through, but the music and the songs that they sing are done in a way that is able to accurately reflect their emotional truth, and I think you get that much more easily and much more visibly than if it was just a film. I think for me personally, at least, I saw this at a screening and halfway to the theater, I thought, this is going to be really, really triggering for you. Why did you do this to yourself? (laughs) And that didn't actually end up being true. But I think part of what was so upsetting about it was not that I didn't already know the story or that these things didn't happen, but simply that, it is difficult to be reminded that this is, in fact, the experience of a lot of Black women.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Celie does have a profoundly difficult time, to say the least, as a young person. She's being sexually abused by the man she knows as her father. She's being sexually abused by her husband. In some ways, I feel odd calling him her husband because he just kind of comes and and takes her.
0: Mm-hmm. kind of bought her. Her forced husband, more or less. Yeah. Right.
1: Know? It doesn't really feel like a, a marriage to me. Um, it feels more like a captor-captive mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it is definitely very difficult. Aisha, you did some deep reporting about the 1985 film in your series Screening Ourselves. Yeah. How did you feel about this one?
0: Um, you know, I've read the novel. Obviously, I've seen the movie many times, and I have not seen the musical. But I am a big movie musical fan and musical fan. Period. Musical theater. And I, I hate to say this, but like, while I thought that the performances were fantastic, I like everyone was giving everything for me. Especially Taraji P Henson. I think she was just such a revelation in the role as Shug. You know, I, I came away from it feeling as though. Overall, it didn't quite hang together for me. It didn't pack quite the emotional punch that I expected it to, in part because, let me say this, my biggest issues were with more so the flow and the editing and the way that some scenes seemed to sort of end abruptly before we could really get to an emotional peak, in a way, mm. and some songs mm-hmm. came in and didn't really move the emotions forward. You know, that, that idea that, like, in musical theater parlance. It's like, when you can't speak anymore, you sing. And when you can't sing anymore, you dance. And I didn't feel that mm-hmm. flow happening. Like one example for me is the song, the first song, uh, Celie Sings by herself, or sort of like the young Celie Sings. It's a ballad. Uh, she Be Mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's singing about losing her child because she has to, she's forced to give it away after she gives birth to it.
1: Ah. I seize her hand on the lady's shoulder. She come out on me chewing her pits. She got my eyes and a face a dunk. Kiss. I sold Olivia on her diet.
0: And I didn't quite understand what the staging was doing. There was like at one point she's like singing in front of a chain gang of black men and then she's singing in like the river and there's women washing uh, items in the- and I just didn't understand what the connection was to between the lyrics and what was going on with behind her mm. and I know the the movie not just that it's a musical but it's also very much dipping into magical realism there's a lot of fantasy happening mm-hmm. so that's that's like part of it which makes it very different i think from both the book and the the original movie we'll talk about it more i'm sure but like there are just pieces of it that didn't quite hang for me and it did feel a little bit too much like the the creators were kind of afraid to get too deep into the more traumatic parts i don't think necessarily for me serves the story that like Alice Walker was originally trying to tell if that makes sense
1: mm. yeah i think i reacted a little bit like aisha did in the sense that i admired the performances in this film so much mm-hmm. yes fantasia barino Yes, Coleman Domingo, Corey Hawkins. I love Taraji P. Henson, just as we've already talked about, and I love Danielle Brooks in this. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. I think that role of Sophia is so difficult because she is also a person who experiences a lot of trauma, but she's also very funny, and mm-hmm. making those things both work is super difficult. I think my hesitation about it is strictly that, on a pure like personal taste basis. I don't love the songs that much. (laughs) They're not bad. But it wasn't like I didn't leave the movie and think I'm definitely going to go and listen Mm -hmm, to this. What I'm sensing is maybe a little bit of what Aisha is saying, that there were times when I would be watching a scene and it would be really effective and affecting and I would be enjoying watching the actors. And then I would realize that it musical number was starting. And I would be a little bit disappointed because I sort of just wanted to stay with the scene as it was progressing. Yeah. On the one hand, I really, really admire the fact that they did not shy away from this musical being musically. Mm -hmm. There's been this Mm -hmm. tendency to start to make musicals that are kind of uncomfortable with being musicals, so they try to somehow make it seem seamless, which you can't really do, because if a bunch of people are going to suddenly sing and dance, it's not going to be seamless. (laughs) I liked that. And some of the numbers I thought worked really well. But every time that it was the characters, the acting, I thought it was really effective and wonderful and a fantastic showcase for all these actors.
2: I actually agree with both of your takes about some of the musical elements Like the performance of I'm Here, which is supposed Mm. to be the and I'm telling you I'm not going moment of the movie. It absolutely is that moment in the stage play. But in the movie, there is something missing, in my opinion, of that performance, of a number of the other musical performances that do feel a little, um, at least for me, muted. Muted is a great word for that, yeah. I
3: think with that scene in particular, because I did know that song specifically because I watched the video of Cynthia Riva do it on YouTube five million times. I agree that it feels muted, but to me, Fantasia's performance makes up for that. And, you know, this song that she is singing about all of the, the abuse and the trauma that she's gone through and how she plans to, you know, keep going for another day. Like she, it's a hopeful moment for her, mm-hmm. but it's also full of all of the grief and loss and pain that she has endured up to, I think it's like two hours into the movie at that point. Yeah. Take me- To me, the fact that the staging is not what I would have preferred, it doesn't matter because Fantasia's performance is so full of emotion that you don't really need all of the other stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. And
3: it made me think about how difficult it must have been for Celie in that position to realize that all of the love she's been looking for may never come to her, Mm -hmm. but she has found a way to build it for herself. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that song is a great reference point. And I think what is interesting to me is that like, there are parts of the movie and again, I love movie musicals. They are <laughs> one of my favorite genres. But I do think that there was some a little bit lost in translation between what you would see on stage versus the what we get on screen, which is one of my biggest sort of like cringy moments with this movie. And I didn't have that many, but like, was the actual violence that we see occur in this film. There are several times where people get slapped. And these slaps are very big and very broad. And they felt like if I was watching this on a stage, that would make sense. You have to play to the rafters. But for me, when they happened, it felt a little bit more unintentionally comical. And I hate to be someone who's saying, like I need this you know violence against Black women to feel more real. That's not exactly what I'm saying, but I also needed it to feel less like cartoonish in a way. Mm. Part of it seems intentional because I've read several interviews with the cast and crew and even the screening that I went to, the press screening before the screening started, they had like a special pre-tape thing where they're saying, we we want to bring you joy in this holiday season. I was like, okay, yes, joy. Like I want (laughs) to see that, but also let's not do that. To the disservice of actually, like, experiencing, like, what it might feel like to be these women. It's a difficult balance to walk, I realize. Um, Those moments didn't quite work for me. I feel so terrible saying this.
2: (laughs) Don't feel terrible, because, right, part of it is also, I think, about our kind of pre-existing relationships to the text and to the work, right? Because, you know, there's an element of queerness in the book that was muted for the original movie, Mm -hmm. that stayed muted for the stage version, and for this adaptation of the musical, they have tried to be a little bit more explicit. A little bit. (laughs) You know? uh, Yeah. Like, uh, it's a little bit further, if you will, but definitely is not the book. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder uh, how all of our opinions are also impacted about what we know were the original intentions, right? For what this narrative was on the page and how all these other, you know, creatives have come in with various levels of blessing and not blessing to kind of reimagine it. That's something that sticks out to me as well in this conversation.
3: I mean, I think Aisha, I kind of agree with what you're seeing in the sense that I definitely felt like there was a bit of a sheen, I suppose, over the film. Yeah,
0: very, it's very beautiful. Yeah, like, yeah.
3: I definitely did not feel the same way about the violence. I, I don't know if it's just me. I think I feel like I've gotten a lot more sensitive to on-screen violence as I've gotten older.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah,
3: but there's just so much emotionally for me tied into this story about the treatment that not just black women but dark-skinned black women face, mm-hmm. and seeing that, I think, play out on screen, you know, across multiple women, because if I'm recalling correctly, it's only the dark skin Black women who get beat up. Yeah, And it's not my favorite, but it's also the story. And I actually thought a lot about um, your piece, Aisha, on in-screening ourselves and the backlash that had happened, um, I guess, from uh, Black men. And part of what amused me about that is the fact that there didn't seem to be any acknowledgement that it's not about the men. right, And uh, the inability to kind of recognize that it's not a universal story, but it is someone's story. Mm -hmm. And that is the part that we need to contend with.
1: Yeah. One of the things that this is all kind of making me think about is that this film is in a very tricky position, particularly vis-a-vis Kind of big Hollywood, which has produced Mm -hmm. this as a big Hollywood movie, Mm -hmm. not just a big Hollywood movie, a big Hollywood Christmas movie, a big (gasps) Hollywood Christmas Oscar movie. And those things pull in a number of directions. And interestingly, when Travell was talking about the queer elements in this version It exists, but not in a way that, like, if you went with your grandparents and they didn't want to see that, they couldn't sit there and be like, I think they just cuddled (laughs) up at night for (laughs) friendly comfort. Like, this is absolutely a movie that I think a lot of families will go and see. I think because it's such a good movie, it's absolutely an appropriate Mm -hmm. movie for people to go see over the holidays. But at the same time, it's funny to think... About it in that context because we so often think of like the movie that you would take your families to over the holiday would not necessarily be a narrative with this much trauma yeah. and abuse as part of it. Right. So I think the movie is like in this very interesting position where there are several different forces pulling on it at the same time.
2: Yeah, I mean, this makes me think you mentioned Aisha, some of the, the chain gang waterfall yeah. antics that show up. Which I happen to love personally. It looks cool. Shout out to Fatima uh, Robinson, the choreographer. Okay, yes, please shout out to <laughs> Fatima because she,
0: that was probably for me, aside from the performances, just my favorite part is the choreography yeah. mm-hmm. just moves so, so well and is shot really well too.
3: Yeah, the opening number
2: is fantastic. Yes, yes. So gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. liked the choreography as well. I think one of the important parts. To remember though, in the marketing of this movie, is right, they're calling it a reimagination on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. And it has a lot more comedic, I think, bits in large part brought to us by David Allen Greer uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a number of, of, of places. <laughs> you know, Danielle's performance in particular as Sophia yeah, is yeah. The, the one. Yes. Um, if I had yep. to highlight one, I think yeah. she, she is amazing in this movie and puts her own stamp on the character of Sophia, um, which we all you know know and love um, from Oprah's rendition of it. But she stands out to me on the, the kind of acting and performance side of things. Yeah.
3: I also want to talk about the Suge Avery scene. Um, I think the sister scene in the juke joint from the original film is probably the only image of that movie I actually remember.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, that red dress and that headdress that she does and that crooning that she does to... Celie, directly in front of all of these people, telling her that she's beautiful.
0: So let me tell you something, sister. Remember your name, no twister. Gonna steal your stuff away, my sister.
3: I was a little disappointed at the changes that they made for that particular number it exists but not in quite the way i was hoping for and the bits that i thought it would be were not quite that although i did really enjoy that number especially when the lights went out and everybody started grinding
1: like it was a college party (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) well we absolutely want to know what you think about the color purple find us on facebook at facebook.com slash pchh up next what's making us happy this week These days, news comes at you
0: fast. But the truth? Getting there takes time. There's something
3: that hasn't been disclosed yet. Embedded is a podcast that takes the time to look beyond the headlines. How how did this happen? How did we get here? With original documentary storytelling. Listen to NPR's Embedded wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Embedded for moments that stay with you.
1: I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust.
3: Voices that resonate. (laughs) Stories that change the way you think about your life. How, How did we get here? The Embedded Podcast is NPR's home for original
0: documentary series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, close your eyes for a second. Now imagine you're on your dream vacation. No work calls to answer. No text messages to respond to. Just your suitcase
3: and an opportunity. The opportunity to just take yourself out of your
0: routine and travel deeper. How to actually take that dream trip. That's on the Life Kit Podcast from NPR.
1: Hey, it's Linda Holmes. 2023 has been quite a year for pop culture. Barbie, Oppenheimer, Fast Car, Succession, Cocaine Bear? We have loved talking about all of it here on the show, and we're excited about everything we'll dig into in 2024, hopefully with your support. This is where we want to say a big thank you to our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus supporters and anyone listening who already donates to public media. And to anyone out there who isn't a supporter yet, right now is the time to get behind the NPR network, especially with our journalists gearing up for an important election year. Supporting public media now takes just a few minutes and makes a real difference in what's possible moving forward. Join NPR Plus or make a tax-deductible donation now at donate.npr.org happy. And thanks. Now it's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week, What's Making Us Happy This Week. Trayvall, what is making you happy this week?
2: Okay, so in addition to being a Fantasia stan, I am also part of the Big Brother hive. (laughs) I really enjoy watching Big Brother. And I had the opportunity over this weekend to participate in a virtual Big Brother that somebody that I know, James Rogers III is his name. He's a TV writer. But he basically stages his own version of Big Brother. It's all virtual. He casts contestants from across the internet. He plays Julie Chen. Different trivia moments and all of that. And I won (laughs) season three of Virtual Big Brother. Congratulations. Amazing. Thank you so much. That is what is making me happy happy if y'all want to check out the live stream of it it is on his youtube page james rogers the third okay it was wonderful
1: (laughs) that's so fun that's awesome (laughs) could not ask for anything more thank you very much all right kate what is making you happy this week
3: what is making me happy is christopher nolan specifically Mm -hmm. the movie tenet i have been having so much fun just watching this movie over and over and over again (laughs) and it's perhaps a little bit of a problem at this point but in addition to getting to enjoy the story, I I bought the Blu-ray, so I was able to finally watch some of the behind-the-scenes featurettes. And there's a scene in the movie where one of the cars, like, unflips over. They built a car that unflips over. It's a real thing, mm-hmm. which is insane to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm like, and I just feel like I every time I watch it, I get, like, not upset, but, like, I get emotional about the fact that, like, Movies are awesome. Like a bunch of people like who have skills got together and made a thing and it was pretty and fun and they told me a story and I'm like so excited about that. How is that not incredible? <laughs> I, I love, love it. That.
1: I love that. I love that. All right. Thank you very much, Kate Young. Aisha Harris, what is making you happy this week?
0: Well, Megan Pyfus is Sesame Street's first black female puppeteer. How? What? I don't know. Like, How is that possible? But she's been on the show for two or three years now, and she voices the the Muppet puppet Gabrielle. I've been following her on Instagram, and I just think she's so delightful. In addition (laughs) to being on Sesame Street, where she did a whole episode on wash day for black kids with natural hair. Oh my yes. gosh. And not a whole episode, but like a whole segment, you know. Mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. was on America's Got Talent. She's a ventriloquist. And I want to play you a little bit of a performance she recently did at a comedy, comedy event where she has one of her puppets and she her voice her lips are not moving. Like you you can't see them moving, and she is belting my heart will go on. Let's let's hear it. It sounds great. Oh So she belts this song (laughs) while her mouth is not moving, which is amazing. Um, So she just makes me really happy. She has a lot of little side projects going on. And so that's Megan Pyphus on IG. And uh, it's at Megan, M-E-G-A-N-P-I-P-H-U-S on Instagram. And yeah, if
1: you have kids, check her out on Sesame Street. Perfect. Love it. Thank you very much. What is making me happy this week is very simple. I, for a long time... Could not get myself to get out my Christmas decorations because I live by myself. And it was like, I mean, it's just me, who cares? And then I said this, not about Christmas decorations, but I said this to my therapist at one point. I said the actual sentence if it only affects me, who cares? And my therapist was like, um, I don't love that. So in furtherance of things like that, I have started to get out my Christmas stuff just to be enjoyed by me and the dog. And this week I got out a, a ceramic Christmas tree that my grandmother made probably in the 70s. And it's about probably about a foot tall. And you plug it in. It has a light bulb inside and it has all of these little plastic like bulb openings so that it shines out these little multicolor bulbs and i shared a picture of this on on instagram and also on blue sky and the number of people who said, I had this exact thing, or my family has something just like this, my family has a similar one, and people yeah. said, oh my gosh, my my aunt had one of these, and I can't believe I don't know where it is. Like, I wish I had gotten it from her. And it made me really happy that I got it out and dusted it off oh. and that it still works. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it has its original plug, so <laughs> don't let it out of your sight when it's turned on. But a bunch of people sent me pictures of theirs. It's so much fun. You can find the picture of it on my Instagram, which is Linda Holmes97. And uh, and that's what's making me happy this week. If you want links for what we recommended plus some additional recommendations, sign up for our newsletter. That's at npr.org slash popculture newsletter. And that brings us to the end of our show. Trayvall Anderson, Kate Young, Aisha Harris, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This episode was produced by Hafsa Fatima and Romel Wood and edited by Mike Kassif. Our supervising producer is Jessica Reedy. And Hello, Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all next week.
2: This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch, and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview
3: podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A.